Yes, you have survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. You're listening to episode number 86. Welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. The weekly show for law-abiding, fun-loving gun owners of the city. And here's your host, Ken Blanchard. Yes, it's I, Ken Blanchard. And thanks again for joining me again on the fun-filled, factual, and low-fat episode of the Urban Shooter Podcast. This week, we have Mama Helen, and she's back from the beach to talk about how to buy a regulated firearm in the state of Maryland. This is a part one of a two-part episode And if you're not from the state of Maryland, it's okay. You can still listen. News this week talks about the anti-gun D.C. politicians, and they get slapped down by Congress. Also, tips from some Urban Shooter listeners, one from New Mexico about securing your firearms, and an interview with photographer extraordinaire Oleg Volk. And a quick introduction to my newest feature in celebration of October zombie strike all this and more on the fall episode of the urban shooter podcast not quite sure when you listen to this episode but this is the beginning of fall and fall is when all the good tv shows come out it's also the work of the devil because that's when you shouldn't and can't watch tv at the same time that all the good stuff comes out you know what i mean when I was in school, the, all the cool shows came out, and I had homework. And after I got a little older, when the cool shows came out, I had a date, or work night shift, or something. Well, this episode, we're previewing a custom-made target that I made, and some just some normal silliness for the show to keep you smiling. I'm preparing October already, and the theme of the month will be borrowing from Halloween and all the scary stuff like zombies. And I had one good time with the Labor Day show, and then it hit me. You know, I could do this again. Well, you'll hear about that soon, before the end of the show. Yeah, the summer has ended, and here in Blanchard Studios, deep inside the bowels of my basement, under the washing machine and next to the dryer. And what an interesting time in America. We're counting down the days until we elect the next president of the United States of America. I'm reminded about the mythological god known as Janus. You know, Janus was usually depicted with two heads, not faces, looking in opposite directions. In general, Janus was the patron of concrete and abstract beginnings. And he was frequently used to symbolize change and transitions, such as the progression of past to future, of one condition to another, of one vision to another. The growing up of young people and the one universe to another. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Lord, help us. On a different note, I'm going to start shooting again, like hardcore, as soon as I get my browning back. I'm looking for some training. So who would you recommend for two different people? The first is a new shooter. Who would you recommend as an instructor? Um, Which school, which course, where should I send them? And secondly... Where would you send me? For what little you know about my capabilities. But whatever you think, send me your recommendations to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And as always, 
you can send me anything. Emails, comments, questions, uh, suggestions, gripes, complaints to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. I'm on that thing almost 24-7 between that and my Blackberry. I'm in the waiting period right now, waiting for my, uh, my gunbroker.com pistol to make it through clearances. But um, to talk about that and what I'm going through, we'll hit Mother Helen in a few minutes, right after J-Dub gives us our Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The next segment is from Mama Helen. Who's going to talk about buying a firearm in the state of Maryland. Now, even though you're not so unlucky as to be in this state of confusion, Mama Helen is going to share what we go through, what I'm going through right now as I wait for my Browning High Power to clear. And uh, you can just see the difference and juxtapose it to what's going on with your firearm. And if you're ready, I think Mama is standing by. Take it away, Mama. Okay, how do I buy a gun? Very carefully. I've broken it down to 10 steps. We'll go over each one of them and may run into next week, depending on uh, how long we have for it. The topic I'm covering is the regulated firearm in the state of Maryland. So because the although federal law goes from from you know across the whole country each state also has their own laws and all the legalities both federal and state must be observed plus any store that you go into is going to have policies which protect it and so you need to inquire with the store in case they have any additional steps or a particular way to doing things so that you can um, you know, smooth, smooth over the, uh, the, the... Well, I hope you can edit that out. <laughs> okay, the, the legalities uh, must be observed, of course, both federal and state. And also the gun store itself will have certain policies which protect us, protect it, and uh, procedures which helps them to keep track of all the paperwork they have to do. So please do give them some room. Sometimes there are things which are legal, but for uh, whatever reason, the store may not want to do that procedure because it is too complex. Um, or it is too easy to get it wrong, and the ATF is not particularly forgiving of uh, good faith errors. Okay, first step is to make sure you have chosen the right gun for you. You can gather information on the Internet, in books, 
uh, talking to people, talk to more than one person, avoid the person that tells you that there is one gun for everybody, and uh, magazines, go to more than one store, talk to the people there, find out uh, what their opinions are. The more people you talk to, the better. Hold the firearms. See how it fits your hand. Ask questions about their operation, how to clean it, um, how easy is it to break down, how it works, what safeties are involved, etc. cetera, uh, because you'll have your own needs, safety needs to, to consider, and you want a gun that's going to have the safeties that, uh, or not, as you're comfortable with it. If possible, try it out. If you can find a place that uh, rents guns or if you can find somebody who is willing to uh, go with you and let you try out their guns, that's great because you need to try out some different calibers to find out what you're comfortable with and also, uh, you know, revolvers, semi-automatics, and uh, just the size of the gun, how it fits your hand, etc., Okay, once you've narrowed it down and you are very sure about what you want to buy, because backing out of a sale is complicated and you may lose a lot of money, your next step is in the state of Maryland, you must be a resident for at least 90 days and have some kind of ID showing it. Use your, usually your driver's license or your uh, a, an MVA-issued ID card will say, you know, have an expiration date or an issue date that shows you've been here at least 90 days. However, if you are not a U.S. citizen, there is additional documentation that is required. You need to be a permanent resident alien. Uh, Okay, so if you're a resident alien, you must have your green card with you when you apply for the firearm at the very outset. Also, uh, you have to not only be a resident of Maryland or have been a resident for at least 90 days, you must be able to show continuous residence for the last 90 days. So just having a Maryland uh, address isn't enough. You need to bring in copies of utility bills, something that ties you to that address each month. Uh, For instance, a telephone bill a utility, electric bill, gas bill, etc., that shows that you've actually been in the country uh, and in Maryland for those 90 days. The third thing is is training. Maryland requires that anybody purchasing a handgun have some, or regulated firearm, have some form of training. If you have ever served in the military and been honorably discharged, if you're active duty military, reserve, um, if you're current law enforcement, if you've taken a recent hunter safety course, if you have an NRA certificate or a carry permit issued by the Maryland State Police, these things will show that you have training. Or... If you don't have any of these things, you can take the Maryland Certified Firearms Training Course, which at a participating Maryland licensed firearms dealer is a 15-minute film, covers a lot of territory, and it's actually quite a very good condensed uh, informational film. The training is also available online, but you have to have done one of those things. 
all information must be documented. A military, you need your DD-214 or your military ID card or a benefits card if you're retired. Um, Carrying permit, you must have the carry permit with you. If you are a law enforcement officer, uh, you need to have your badge or your credentials with you to show to the clerk. And if you have taken the training uh, or the hunter safety course or trained through the NRA, you must have that certificate or training card with you. You must have it up front uh, when you start doing the paperwork. And you need to have time. That's the third thing. Uh, You need to make sure that you have enough time to do the paperwork. It takes about 30 minutes in addition to the 15-minute film if you're watching that uh, because you have a federal form, the 4473, and you have the three-page state 77R. So you need to be prepared to take the time to do those. These must be filled out no matter where the transaction is taking place or who it's between. You may not just exchange a fee and a firearm. This is not legal in the state of Maryland for a, um, for a regulated firearm, which covers any handgun. If are, you are buying from another individual and instead of a dealer or a you know, gun shop, somebody who's licensed to sell, then you must go to the state police to get the same forms that you'd be filling out at a gun store, and uh, both parties and the firearm must be must present themselves. The firearm must be unloaded, encased, and in the trunk of your car. Do not take it into the station. You go in, tell them what you're there for, and a an officer will come out and get the information from the firearm. Uh, when when that time comes. So be very, very careful about that. Don't let anybody uh, talk you into just, you know, hey, give me the cash, here's the gun. That is not legal in the state of Maryland. The fifth thing is that the dealer will want a down payment and there will be a $10 uh, non-refundable fee that goes to the Maryland State Police uh, to cover the expenses of the background check. So be prepared to do that. Okay, that uh, okay. Number six uh, is the back- background check. This is separate from the waiting period. It doesn't matter how fast the background check is done. You still have to wait, and we'll get into that next. Okay. All right, we're going to cut right in here and put the pause on Mama Helen for this week and continue her session on part six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of her steps, which include what happens with that 4473 form next week, which is actually happening to me. So hold on. She'll be back next week. Thanks, Mama. And now the news is next. All right, this is something that really just really messed me up. I was not, I did not believe that Congress would spank the D.C. government like it did. Reading from a Washington Times article, it says that a bill allows semi-automatics with limited rounds in D.C. I got this sent to me from um, Rich Heller 
and Amy McVeigh of the Capital Gun Owners Association, org, the new D.C. pro-gun organization. And um, it says in this article, dated uh, September 16th, 2008, D.C. Council member Phil Mendelson says he will propose regulations Tuesday that would legalize semi-automatic handguns in the district because of the stopgap legislation the council passed in response to a Supreme Court ruling would not stand up to judicial scrutiny. What happened was everybody started putting pressure on the D.C. government for being so wrong. They were trying to add all this extra crap on to poor D.C. residents and not allow them to do anything other than carry a revolver. And it came down to an emergency move where they had to comply. I mean, everybody was suing them. You had um, the Bill of Rights Foundation. You had a hell or two happening. You had the NRA throwing their weight around. I mean, it was like just a great thing to see. And what this article says is that the Supreme Court has spoken and we have ha- and we have to act accordingly. Mendelssohn said we are still going to have some strong gun control laws. Mr. Mendelssohn, a Democrat at large, said the bill will refine the city's de- definition of machine guns by using wording, excuse me, from other jurisdictions and the federal assault weapons ban, which has since expired. Ah, see, I wasn't lying. They talk about that Clinton bill again. The bill also will cap at 10 at 10, the number of rounds a semi-automatic gun magazine can hold. You see, they're going to try to put in some restrictions. It's like you can't win, so you're going to do something anyway. A magazine capacity ban does nothing, but it makes them happy and it changes the wording so that at least um, semi-automatic firearms can be allowed in the city. The bill will undercut two federal challenges to the law, a bill in the U.S. House to be considered as early as Tuesday that would relax gun control regulations in the district and a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court filed by Dick Anthony Heller of the District versus Heller Supreme Court case. Dick Anthony Heller is uh, shown in this article leaving the Metropolitan Police Headquarters carrying a 22 caliber handgun in a red bag in the district on July 18th. The D.C. Council will propose legislation Tuesday to legalize semi-automatic handguns. Again, this was from Joseph Silverman of the Washington Times. The ruling on the Heller case in June struck down the district's 32-year-old ban on handguns but did not address the city's broad definition of a machine gun, which effectively bans all semi-automatic pistols. Gun advocates say D.C. officials have been flouting the court's ruling and perceive the bill as a victory. However, others say the district is still trying to be too restrictive. Mike Stallenwerk, co-founder of OpenCarry.org, says he is pleased that the bill would legalize semi-automatic handguns and make them easily accessible for self-defense, but does not like the cap on magazine capacity. It may be progress, but it shouldn't have to be like this, he said. It's just another stick in the eye to gun owners. Most jurisdictions and federal law, law generally define machine guns as those capable of firing multiple rounds with a single press of the trigger or guns that can be modified easily to do so. Ah, somebody got it right. The district currently allows residents to register revolvers, which typically hold six or eight rounds and cannot be modified to hold more. Lawmakers and public safety officials say they want, in part, to limit gun owners' potential to overpower police. Ah, that's just dumb too. 
they can't. The bill also will change safe storage provisions to advisory regulations, meaning gun owners would no longer be required to keep their guns unloaded, locked, or disassembled, but will create criminal penalties for gun owners who give children access to guns, which has already been in the books since 1968. They're not doing anything new. And this article goes on some more, and people are like saying stuff that doesn't make any sense, like Councilman Vincent Gray, and uh, he does say that he agrees that the district's gun laws may have been too strict to stand up in the court, but the council will keep them as tight as possible while complying with the high court ruling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Gray also said he has spoken with several council members about the new bill, but is not sure how they will vote. Council member Tommy Wells, Ward 6 Democrat, says he is undecided and that he has concerns about the Second Amendment, which addresses the right to own a gun. It's an antiquated part of the Constitution, he said. It's about self-defense, not guns. I don't want us to be a battleground for America. Councilmember Jim Graham, a Ward 1 Democrat, who has tackled several public safety issues relating to guns, did not say how he would vote, but called the issue very troubling. National Rifle Association Chief Lobbyist Chris W. Cox said the district was still trying to find ways to circumvent the court's ruling and that the new bill is a, a response to federal pressure rather than progress. Everything the district has done is a desperate attempt to hold on to a failed and rejected gun control scheme, he said. The only reason they're trying to do anything is because they're seeing imminent congressional action, and residents and other community leaders have been overwhelmingly opposed to the court's decision, and I have asked the 13-member council to make gun laws as strict as possible. Yeah, this is coming from, of course, the D.C. government. The council in July passed the emergency re uh, legislation, which regulates handgun restrictions, use, and storage, and it expires in mid-October. The district's handgun case has attracted national attention and has led to legal challenges against restrictions on handguns in other parts of the country as well. The NRA has filed lawsuits in several cities, including Chicago and San Francisco, to challenge their statutes. And let's see. The council proposal does not give residents blanket approval to own semi-automatic pistols, which have been become the most popular kinds of handguns. It would ban magazines capable of holding more than 10 rounds, and it would also repeal a regulation barring a gun owner from registering more than one pistol. In addition, the legislation would do away with a requirement that handgun registrants submit their weapons to D.C. police for ballistic testing. Hmm. All that's very interesting, right? And according to the Atlanta Journal online edition of the newly registered handguns, um, eight have been stored outside the district by their owners while the ban was in place and the others were kept illegally in D.C. homes during the ban and were registered in recent days under the amnesty program. Police said three applications have been denied and the handgun seized because the applicants had criminal records and the others our applications are pending. Meanwhile, the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives said two men are federally licensed to sell firearms in D.C., but the men deal only with selected clients, including police officers and security companies. Unless the House legislation becomes law, allowing D.C. residents to purchase handguns across state lines in Virginia and Maryland, most would-be gun owners in the nation's capital will have to wait for a federally licensed dealer 
in the city to start doing business with more customers. And right now, the only one that has that is a guy named Sykes. And he's charging 125 smackaroonies for the privilege, the opportunity, and the, the right to keep and bear arms. This week on the Urban Shooter, we have the person who started The High Road and is the author and artist behind many of the pro-gun pictures that are used across the country and around the world on the internet, Mr. Oleg Volk. And here he is. Mr. Volk, Oleg, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you for having me on your show. And Oleg, can we get some web information from you? Uh, my main websites are olegvolk.net slash gallery, as well as a-human-right.com. Both of these sites feature a number of posters and educational graphics. I'm also the owner of the highroad.org forum. Man, what's going on? What's new in your world? I guess same thing as always. More projects than time and uh, more interesting things to do. Uh, right now, I am working on a project together with a number of Virginia Tech students on creating public education materials. They're trying to push for change to school rules. Um, also, uh, creating content for Wisconsin and Illinois friends to push concealed carry issuance in those states. And just doing a lot of projects that uh, please me. Uh, the project I'm uploading right now, for example, is a photo pictorial of a couple from 1890s having a stroll in the woods with a camera. Um, the other pictures from that same series are going to be used for posters pointing out that although women gained the vote since, they have lost certain other rights that used to be taken for granted, such as the right to carry a firearm for self-defense. Well, tell me about the project with the, uh, the students. Um, I got an email from one of the students who asked if I would grant the permission to use some of the images and if I perhaps had something related to uh, school massacres. And it so happened that I had, especially for their particular school. And I was quite happy to point them to those images. And now we are planning strategy together. Um, we are creating in images for the purpose of uh, um, explaining both to Virginia Tech administration and to their fellow students why it is a good idea for the administration not to get in the way of students planning for their own necessary personal protection. And uh, the students will be supplying me with uh, information on that environment, as well as some of the pictures of landmarks and classrooms, and I'll be providing them with posters and uh, writings for convincing people, 
and uh, other people, including some of the officers who responded to the shooting, are also providing advice and affirmation since they don't want to be called out to an event like that again either. And as a photographer, you're also doing videos too, right? Not just the stills? I have taught video before, but I have not worked in it extensively on my own. My next plan later this year is to produce animated videos uh, or animations uh, uh, in flash format uh, for RKBA. Uh, my friends from Illinois and Wisconsin will also be, be getting some animated comic book format images for use on uh, uh, theater screens, the kind of advertising that's shown before movies. Hopefully, at the end of the year, I'll get into doing 30-second or one-minute uh, YouTube and video commercials on rights to keep in their arms, as well as other human rights. I'm trying to address the bigger picture of personal liberty, not limiting myself to just firearms issues. Ma'am, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, any closing words, anything that you want to throw out before we, we go? Uh, the same closing words as always. Uh, for those of you who seek freedom for yourself, be ready to grant it to others. Amen to that. And you can always check out Oleg on his websites and on the high road, which he helps keep going. Thanks, man. Thank you. Have a great night, Oleg. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I don't like to brag, but I do have the best listeners in the whole world, at least the podcasting world. And my listeners contribute both in wisdom and tips and suggestions and always positive. And I appreciate that. Even the ones that knock me upside the head every once in a while are doing it so that I may be better for you. One such listener offered this tip for this week on the Urban Shooter Podcast. All right. This is from the Urban Shooter listener in New Mexico. And he has a couple of safe gun storage ideas he wanted to share with you, his fellow Urban Shooter podcast listeners. Ordinary padlocks. Open a double-action revolver's cylinder like you're going to load it, and then lock an ordinary padlock around the top strap. Done. Drop a semi-automatic pistol's magazine and lock the slide back. Then, take a gate lock, essentially an ordinary padlock with a long shackle, and slide the open side of the shackle down through the magazine well, then lock the lock. The end result will be a padlock at the opening of the magazine well, at the bottom of the gun, with one side of the shackle inside the magazine well and the other side outside the magazine well. Either way, the gun cannot be loaded and brought into battery. I've also been able to do a similar thing with a Derringer. Open the action and slide a lock around the hinge. And a single action revolver, an ordinary padlock behind the trigger, but inside the trigger guard when the hammer is down, is enough to prevent the trigger from moving, which even prevents the revolver from being cocked. I've done a similar thing with bicycle cable locks on a Mossberg shotgun. On the M1A, aka M14, the gate lock works just fine. 
I personally have gotten a bunch of locks that are keyed alike from a locksmith and then the one I use on my guns first get wrapped with that double-sided foam tape. Then I cover the foam tape with electrical tape. So as long as I don't ding something, putting the lock in place or removing it, I'm not going to be scratching my guns with the lock when it's in place. Also, you can be surprised what kinds of things you can attach this lock to if you get a bicycle cable and then wrap the cable around something that isn't going anywhere. Slip one end loop through the other and slip the padlock through that end before putting it in on the gun. And I have this set up with bicycle cables wrapped around the seat post of my driver's seat of my car. Can you tell I have a concealed weapons permit? I do not, he has this in big italics, leave any gun unattended without locking it in some manner like this. Another idea I got from a Sikh fellow I took a class with. Take an old army surplus metal ammo box and close it while it's empty. There are flanges on the sides. With a drill bit, a long one, drill a hole slightly larger than a gate lock shackle through the flange near the end of the box, opposite the lid's hinge, through the metal sides of the box and then through the flange to the other side. Now, you should be able to slide the open side of the gate lock shackle through the holes and then lock. You won't be able to open the box without first removing the lock. Of course, all these ideas will have to be checked against your state laws, depending on how they are written. You may still have to have a stupid trigger lock, an accident waiting to happen. NRA rule number two, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. But we're supposed to put some doohickey inside the trigger guard without knowing where it is in relation to the trigger. Or some other idiot storage thing that probably is equally dangerous and or isn't even effective. Anyway, I hope this was clearer than mud. And if you understand it and can come up with a better way of explaining it, feel free to do so. And he writes he enjoys the podcast. And this is from Lowell in New Mexico. Thanks, Lowell. And I appreciate the tips. If you have any adjustments or comments about it, send them to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com and I'll send them to Lowell. Or if you have some great how-to tips on securing or doing anything related to firearms that we can share, send them to me. And how are they going to send them to you if they don't know your number? Fool. You can call me. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If you are on Pacific Time or Central Time or Mountain Time or Color People Time, anytime that you're at, you can call me at 888-772-6262 and leave a message. And it won't wake up the family. You won't disturb the dog. You're good to go. It's a virtual number, and I will pick it up on my email first thing and get to it. So that's 888-772-6262. It's the toll-free number for the Urban Shooter Podcast. And if you don't want to call and you want to send an email, I will get that too. That is, tell them what it is. You know what it is. What is it? It is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Excellent! Okay, last week I gave you a note. I told you that I was talking to Wayne LaPierre, the executive vice president of the National Rifle Association. Wayne said that right now in 2008 is reminiscent of the Clinton era. And I didn't really understand totally what he meant until I dig a little deeper and realized that the Clinton gun ban 
was jacked up. And unless you know your history, you are doomed to repeat it. So even though we got this battle with the Democrats versus the Republicans and both anti-gun candidates are now saying that they're pro-gun and blah, blah, blah. There are like 10 reasons why that gun ban or the Clintons, his whole thing was, was filed up from the beginning. But there's 10 reasons why I should never even got that far. The federal assault weapons ban championed by President Bill Clinton expired September 13th, 2004. And here are the top 10 reasons why it should never have been imposed in the first place. And I stole this from the NRA ILA website. Number 10, the ban was never intended to reduce crime. In 1988, an anti-gun group invented assault weapons as a word and as a new issue to, quote, reinvigorate the defunct handgun restriction lobby. Now, the, in quotations, issue is being used to pave the way to ban on other guns. Senators John Kerry, Hillary Clinton, Ted Kennedy, and Dianne Feinstein co-sponsored Senate Bill 1431, a bill to ban, as quotations again, assault weapons, every semi-automatic shotgun and semi-automatic detachable magazine rifle, the majority of which are widely used by sportsmen. Another provision in the bill would have banned semi-automatic rifles and shotguns designed for defensive purposes. In some states, anti-gunners now propose banning pump-action rifles and shotguns as, quotations again, assault weapons. Number nine, the shape of a gun's grip is not a reason to ban it. Modern rifle and shotgun grips are shaped as they are for the same reason that hammers, scissors, computer mouses, and other products are made with contours and curves to conform to the shape of a person's hand and wrist. All pistols have pistol grips, after all, and no one claims that they should be banned because their grip shape. Custom-made guns have had stocks tailored to the physiques of their owners for centuries. Number eight, the claim that the guns are high-powered is a lie. Rifles used for hunting dangerous and other large game are quite powerful, and for good reason. However, so-called, quotation again, assault weapons are much, less, are much less powerful than many other rifles used for hunting. Number seven, the guns are not machine guns or, in quotes, weapons of war. Machine guns have been heavily restricted since 1934. That law has already been on the books. The, in quotations again, assault weapon ban dealt instead with semi-automatic firearms, which fire only one shot when the trigger is pulled. They do not spray fire multiple, multiple rounds. They are not used by military forces. For the record, though, throughout history, Americans have owned the same firearms the military has used. Number six, some of the guns are widely used for sport and hunting. The Colt AR-15, for example, and the Springfield M1A are the centerfire rifles most often used for marksmanship competitions in America. The utility of a rifle for hunting is largely a question of the ammunition it uses, and many banned rifles use hunting caliber ammunition. See, get your facts straight. Number five, gun control supporters lie about police officers. The radical violence Policy Center, or the VPC, claim concerning the percentage of police officers killed with assault weapons 
is false. VPC inflates its count of such crimes by deceitfully counting guns not defined as assault weapons under federal law. Number four, the ban had no effect on crime. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives says, in quotes, it can in no way vouch for the validity, in quotes, of Brady campaign's claim that the ban was responsible for violent crimes decline. Even the VPC says you can't argue with a straight face that the ban has been effective and scoffs at Brady's attempt to prevent it from expiring. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention studied the assault weapon ban and other gun control schemes and found insufficient evidence to determine the effectiveness of any of the firearm laws reviewed for preventing violence. You see, Violence is already against the law. That doesn't change a thing. Number three, the guns were never criminals, quote, weapon of choice. A recent study directed and approved by the National Institute of Justice, state police reports, local police department reports, state department of justice reports, federal department of justice felon surveys and crime victim surveys and a congressional research service report show. (sighs) that the guns have never been used in more than about 1-2% to 2% of violent crime. The study Congress required of the ban found, in quotes, the banned weapon and magazines were never used in more than a modest fraction of all gun murders. More than 20 times as many murders have been committed each year with knives, bare hands, or clubs. The fact is that firearms of all types are used in only one out of four violent crimes. Number two, more guns equal less crime. Violent crime in the United States has declined 12 straight years, 35% overall, and is at a 27-year low. Murder rates are the lowest they have been since the mid-1960s. At the same time, the number of privately owned firearms, including so-called Assault weapons rises about 5 million a year. There are more right to carry states, 38, than ever. Many states have passed laws eliminating local gun control ordinances and many states' waiting periods and purchase permits have been eliminated in favor of the national instant check. And the number one reason that the Clinton ban should have expired and was dumb to begin with. Reason number one, the ban interfered with the right of self-defense. It banned guns and magazines that are useful for defensive purposes. The Brady campaign says self-defense is not a federally guaranteed constitutional right. And the only reason for guns in civilian hands is for sporting purposes. However, the U.S. Constitution, the the constitutes of 44 states, and the overwhelming majority of Americans recognize the right to use firearms to defend themselves and their families. The Clinton gun ban supporters argue that because criminals and madmen use these firearms to commit some crimes, honest citizens must surrender them. Banning guns because criminals use them is telling the law-abiding citizen that their rights and liberties depend not on their own conduct, but on the behavior of the lawless. It tells honest citizens that they have only such rights and liberties as criminals will allow.
Alrighty then. I'd like to introduce a new feature that you can be a part of during the month of October. It's part of a month-long Halloween theme and fall thing I got for the Urban Shooter Podcast. The whole month of October, I'll be having a feature each week called Zombie Strike. Have you ever wondered how it'd be like to hunt zombies on purpose? Usually in the movies, it's an escape and evade exercise. In the movies, it always happens at the last minute of the apocalypse. The world as you know it has gone to hell in a handbasket. And then, there you are. Now, I know this is a little irregular, but life is short and you need to laugh more. And I'm having so much fun. I can't even stand it by myself. So come on and have a little fun with me. Every week, I'll have a new contestant, a new challenger on Skull Island. And uh, if you, yeah, you want to be a part of the skit, you can make up your own name and or use your own and we'll work you in. I'll interview, interview you in character and you'll tell us of the weapons that you'll be choosing and your goals for the objective and how you'll you know plan to win the zombie, the zombie strike championship. And I'll add you into the show with sound effects and storylines. And we'll do it all by phone. I know, it's crazy. But hey, it's free. And and as an added bonus, all participants will get an exclusive Shoot Don't Shoot Zombie 2.5 target that I just had designed that will be on sale soon. And it's an Urban Shooter Association thing. And all those members will get their first signed copy for free. And I'm going to use actually the money that I raised from selling these targets to buy a church van. But uh, don't tell anybody yet. Well, that's my hopes anyway. And you'll be hearing more about that too. So stay tuned. And if nobody volunteers, I'll be just doing the voices by myself. But look for it in episode number 88, maybe? Zombie Strike. Coming to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Hey, I want to thank you for joining me this week. You know, I got so much stuff on my list that this show could have lasted another two hours, but that's, I don't want to hold you up that long. And some of the bits I do had to edit a little bit because I goofed. But next week, we're going to talk about ammunition and how it's not created equal. Also, that maybe a revolver might be a good first gun for you. Also, some cleaning tips for next week. Mama Helen's going to finish her bit on Maryland's law and how to buy a regulated firearm. I'll give you the status on my browning, which as of today is still in King of Prussia, I believe. And uh, my FFL person hasn't done the, uh, hasn't sent the facts with his numbers on it. And I'm being held up, actually. So Murphy's Law is definitely in the works there. I'm looking forward to receiving tips and things that you know that you do that save time and money for other urban shooters and you can write it or tell it or call me in and uh, I'll put it up on the air let's make this a community thing where we have you know con- contributions from all you good people across the airwaves and you don't have to have radio voice just be you because this is uh, this is fake I'm talking right now it is. 
I have a special microphone that talks this way. In reality, my voice sounds like this. Hey man, what's up? Nah, I don't believe that. Shoot, don't shoot returns. And uh, I had one for you this night, or tonight, but uh, I thought, nah, I'll wait. Don't forget to check out the cool how-to videos. They're a sponsor of the Urban Shooter Podcast, as is the Urban Shooter Association members all over the country. Appreciate you, and you keep this show flowing so well. Take a peek at gunbroker.com and stand by for the zombie 2.5 targets that are coming your way soon. There's always more I could say, but it's best to keep it short, sweet, and simple. You know, God gave me 86,400 seconds today. And I'm going to use just one right now to say thank you. This has been your friend and your brother from a different mother. Wishing you a very safe, happy, and warm week wherever you are. And remember that if you don't arm yourself, you most definitely harm yourself. Until next week, peace. Do you like Urban Shooter? Then send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. GunRightsRadio.com